The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the future of customer data. Joining us is Max Kirby, who is the Director of Digital Identity and Cloud Solutions at Publicis Sapient, which is a team of technology enablement, operations, sales, and marketing professionals that are leading the shift to cloud and customer data platforming. And today, Max and I are going to talk about the transformation to customer-centric thinking. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with Max Kirby, Director of Digital Identity and Cloud Solutions at Publicis Sapient. Max, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Hi, Ben. Thanks for having me on. Excited to have you as our guest. Excited to talk a little bit about customers, a little bit about data, a little bit about customer data. It's kind of an interesting topic. Let's start off at the top here. Tell me a little bit about what your company does. It's a well-known, do you call it a PR agency? What do you you call what you do? So the Publicis Group kind of holding company is one of the bigger, let's just say communications holding companies in the world. So it's one of those big four, hold a lot of agencies, some consultancies, some systems integrators, and the group really grew by acquiring different specialties and then mixing them all together. And so we put together these kind of custom-built agencies for our clients that might take different skill sets from you know all sorts of different specialties from the companies that we have acquired. So I'm in one of those companies in the holding group, which is called Publicis Sapient. You may know of Sapient. It was a Boston-based company. It was booted up out of MIT. At one point, it was called Sapient Nitro. Some people know it by that name. And we joined Publicis and we're now the systems integrator and the consulting side of things, which is where you get the combination of the two things that I've been focused on for the last five to 10 years, which is like the cloud side of things where we actually hosting our technology. And then also what are we doing to improve our marketing with it as those things you know, continually get combined into different formats, ad tech, martech, now customer data platforming and the like. So there's a system integrations. You mentioned that a large part of your work is a relatively new trend or a changing trend in the MarTech industry. And honestly, that's probably what most people think of the MarTech industry is how do you stack Marketo and what used to be maybe an Oracle database and get it to talk to Salesforce. And, you know, we take a little bit of a different approach to the definition of MarTech, which is technology driven marketers. 
as you've seen the sort of stack building, the systems integration piece grow, talk to me about some of the changes that you've seen in the last five years. Well, the biggest change, I would say, is the move towards custom-built solutions, Ben. It's no surprise, perhaps, that a lot of CMOs were sold the technology that they use. That's why you have such a proliferation of small or medium-sized or the bigger SaaS or platform-as-a-service companies that are trying to own some of that usually OPEX budget. What we're now seeing is an appetite from the CMO to build your own systems. And so it's not just about buying the latest package or putting in a different data warehouse. It's using cloud components to build something that is sort of bespoke. Not that that's terribly revolutionary bespoke systems. I mean, that's existed for a long time. But what we haven't seen so far, at least, is the proliferation of that mindset in the CMO's realm. Usually that's been the CIO or the CTO or the CDO, perhaps, during the commerce era. What's a CDO? The chief digital officer. I mean, this is a role that really started to exist in 2011, 2010 is when they first started to show up. And I think they're also starting to, you know, you're not seeing them as much these days. I thought you were going chief diversity officer. And I was like, huh, what does that have to do with the MarTech stack building? But go on. Well, I mean, CDOs came and went in in some ways is the long and short of it is that we found digital as a specialty. Folks used to call it interactive. Remember that era, right? And then it became Mm -hmm. digital and then sort of everything became digital. So you don't really have a chief digital. Some some companies do, but most companies, most enterprises don't have chief digital officers because they expect all of their C-level leaders to be digital in some way, including, of course, the CMO. I'm a little surprised that creating bespoke systems is the biggest change that you've seen. My assumption would have been that there are so many point solutions that are available now that even large organizations are starting to use, you know, duct tape and glue to basically pick various solutions off the shelf and connect them together, right? Actual stack building. Is there a specific class of your customers, a specific class of companies that you're seeing being interested in building bespoke systems? It's really any customer of ours or client that is building on the cloud. And this is a term, Ben, that needs definition whenever you use it. I mean, it's the next digital. It kind of became everything. Everything is sort of cloud-based or involving this word. Yeah, it's the cloud, meaning you don't have servers in the closet that are holding your data. So that's the infrastructure layer of the cloud, right? Some people would say that cloud includes SaaS and platform, which are the functionalities are provided for you. But I'm talking about customers who are just doing the movement of their data centers onto something that is accessed over the internet and you're using Microsoft's or Amazon's or Google's supercomputers and they're way better than yours, fractional share, and so there's an economic benefit. So that has become the new duct tape and glue in many ways. So you're still seeing packages, you know, different SaaS and and past softwares put in place and pulling those off the shelf and roping them together. But because there's such a proliferation of all these different point solutions, it's getting to the point where the total cost of ownership equation is starting to make sense where you can just actually build that functionality yourself and integrate it with any of the functionality that you want to build from your favorite SaaS company. That has to be an enterprise level solution, right? That's the Fortune 500. It's the big companies that are starting to build their own solutions to be custom instead of taking enterprise solutions that when you think about the variety of tools a large organization is using, that bill gets pretty expensive pretty quickly. It does. And you'd be surprised about how you can counter that. We can get into that maybe a little later, but you're right. At first glance, the question is, is this something that only works at scale? 
And I think the leaders are those who can benefit from the efficiencies of it. They're the ones that are adopting it quickly and getting into the cloud and starting to build their own systems. And this is why this is wrapped up in this word transformation, because if you're trying to become a digital company, however you define that, right? I would say maybe more accurately, you're trying to become a platform company in some way, modular, frictionless, distributed, unified, right? And generally always on, right? If you're doing that, then the operations of your business themselves are probably going to be digital in some way. That means that if you're going to transform, the question is, where are you going to host all these systems? Cloud is much easier. So we're seeing this push to the cloud correlate with this transformation imperative to try to become a digital company. Interesting. So you're getting large enterprise companies that are starting to build their own solutions. They're putting some of the solutions into the cloud, right? They're not going and buying server farms to house their own data as much. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Talk to me about what the impact on the customer is by going this direction. So if you've ever had an ad follow you around the internet and it's for something that you've already purchased. I've had my own ads follow me around the internet somehow. <laughs> I'm sure they had you in the database, right, for retargeting. By they, I. <laughs> <laughs> right. So if you've had that experience, and I think we've all had something like that, or just an ad where you actually click on the ad, you go through the whole product detail page and you get down to it and it's not you're looking to buy. Both of those are examples of data silos. Because the system that has decided to serve you an ad or target you for some reason doesn't necessarily know that that purchase that you made was in the past, or it doesn't know that what it's showing you at the SKU level is not in stock. And that's because the DMP or the DSP or whatever is involved in sending that ad to you is not actually talking to the inventory management system, which was built for a completely different purpose and is over in a different area of the organization. So when we see companies start to adopt the cloud and start to put all these systems up in this standardized area where 
it just becomes much easier to do integrations when you're working in a cloud environment. Everything is the same, right? When I boot up Amazon Web Services, it's the same every single time, which means that every developer that understands Amazon Web Services doesn't need to talk to each other to sort of understand that what the environment looks like. This wasn't possible when people were running their own servers. You had different methods, you had to figure it out, you had to read tons of documentation before you could integrate. So it's the speed of change being facilitated by the standardization of cloud computing. And that's making it so that these data silos, like the inventory and what's in stock, are much easier to integrate with the systems that are talking to the customer. And so as we build these systems and put them in place and de-silo the data, we start to see what from a business perspective is a use case where you're doing out-of-stock suppression or restocking inclusion. But from a customer perspective, that ad knows that you purchased something and is not annoyingly trying to get you to buy the exact same thing. So there's an integration component that helps the consumers. Ads are going to be more relevant. You're not going to be served an ad for a product that isn't available because everything is being built on the same system. But from the CMO's perspective, there has to be a broader application where you're able to focus in more on the entire life cycle of the customer journey, not just thinking about marketing, but understanding whether this is a prospect, whether it's a customer, whether it's a repeating customer. How has there been a change in how marketers, marketing leadership, CMOs think about who the customer is and then what message they should serve at the right time? So the frame I'd give you is, and this is coming from, you know, as you said, Ben, the Fortune 500 enterprise space, because we serve mostly those bigger customers. But the frame that I would give you is that the way that you think about the customer as a business at scale is often constrained by the amount of change that you can make in a given quarter, two quarters, a year, two years. And so getting the full organizational alignment to be able to change a customer outcome is always connected to the amount of time it would take to make that outcome and the ROI on it and et cetera. So when the cost of change goes down and the speed of change goes up, suddenly everything is much more relevant when you talked about customer centricity, because you can think about an outcome that you would drive for your customer that maybe you've wanted to drive. You know, 10 years ago, I remember having the exact same conversations that I'm having with my clients today. We were up on a whiteboard, we were trying to sticky note out an idea, and it was a great idea. The issue is the idea would never get funded or backed because it was the type of thing that would take 18 months. Now that takes eight weeks, six weeks. We've gotten some of these use cases down to within a month. So you can make progress faster, see those outcomes happen faster. And so that's just justifying that change to the business side that reflects in a customer outcome that's better. To some extent, speed is something that reflects your ability to be customer centric because if you can't change based on the if-thens or the signals that you're getting from a customer, it doesn't matter if you would change or not because you can't. Here's the last question that I have for you. And we've talked a lot about marketing signals on this podcast. When you think about the data that you're able to collect and the signals that you're able to analyze as a marketer, we're all moving towards kind of a consolidated platform, whether you're buying or building, you're going to pick Amazon Web Services or, or Microsoft or Google or whatever your cloud solution is. And there's so much data that used to be very siloed. Now it's all collected together, which makes marketing in theory more easier and potentially more powerful. How do you think about the shift in the types and amounts of signals that we're getting as marketers? So three factors come to mind in the last two years, and this is where a lot of changes happen very quickly. And I'll just touch on privacy a little bit, which is data and where it's stored is now something that the law is governing. So that's new. That's very different, and it's having a lot of different effects. The other thing that we can clearly identify as a trend 
is that although there's centralization within your business, there's also the need to distribute outside the business. I mean, for those of you who have lived through the channel optimization to multi-channel to omni-channel sort of S-curve, we're now seeing the single cloud to multi-cloud to perhaps omni-cloud. I actually, I like the term poly-cloud better, many clouds as opposed to all, because I don't think everyone's going to be in every cloud, but I definitely think you're going to be in more than one. And the reason is because inside those clouds are not just the systems anymore. It's also the data that you need. Often that you need to stitch or just get insights from, not necessarily, you know, directly access. The walled gardens continue to thicken their walls and clean rooms are coming up as the new term for the cloud-based versions of the new walls. But you're going to be in all of those clouds, all of the major ones. I don't think there's a single business other than maybe retail because they compete so much with Amazon that isn't going to be in AWS, in Microsoft Azure, and in Google Cloud Platform, because whether it's, so AWS, right, they have the seismic integration, they've got all of the data that's coming out of the Amazon packages of products, uh, everything from listening to things, to reading things, to buying things, to Alexa. Microsoft, you've got LinkedIn, you also have Xbox, and everyone's kind of wondering what Microsoft is going to do to make all these different data sets, one that seems like it's really good for younger audiences, engaged audiences around entertainment, one that seems like it's much more B2B, you know, LinkedIn being where you can market to B2B. And then you have Google, which needs no introduction. I mean, they've been doing this already for 20 years. So you're going to need potentially access to at least two, probably all three data sets in the future. So I think we're going to see that same multi to omni thing happen with regards to cloud. Yeah, it's interesting to me that we start to think about the largest competitors and sort of the silos that are being broken down by moving towards the cloud. And that definitely does give marketers more flexibility in terms of looking at the entire customer lifecycle. It also does raise some of the privacy concerns that you mentioned. That's really what we're going to be talking about in tomorrow's episode. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Max Kirby, Director of Digital Identity and Cloud Solutions at Publicis Sapient for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Max and I are going to talk about digital identity as a currency for the information age. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Max, you can click on the link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His company's handle is Publicis Sapient, P-U-B-L-I-C-I-S-S-A-P-I-E-N-T, or you can visit his company's website, which is publicissapient.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes, contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our once a week newsletter. You can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. If you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production.
Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.